0: It's going to be a great day, and I want to welcome everybody to the chapel, and you've already been welcomed by three or four, five, six people, and we do that intentionally. How many people have ever gone to that big place called Walmart? Let me see your hand. Did did you notice, it's bright up here, can you turn this one down? uh have, have you ever noticed, uh, uh, yes, you have, that you go in the door and they have a nice person at the door that says, welcome. And when you leave, they say, welcome, as they're looking at that bag you're taking out, you know, to make sure that. Ha- have you ever got your hair cut like me? And, and th- when you go through the door, they go, welcome to sports clips. But what's even more kind of unusual is when you're sitting getting your hair cut I mean, I'm the one paying for it, and some guy comes through the door, they stop cutting my hair to go, welcome to sports clips. I, 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 that was so unusual for me, but then, it, you know, I'm I going be the sharpest bulb in the box, but let me tell you, uh, brightest bulb in the box, sharpest knife in the box. Anyway, what, what I realized is those people picked up on the church world. In Walmart, thought, you know what? If they're doing it at church and people get to a place that they feel good, they'll probably have a good experience at Walmart. And the same thing at the haircut place or wherever you go that they greet you when they walk through, when you walk through the door. But what I know is that when you come to church, this even we call this room right here, this biggest room, usually it's the biggest room in a church, called the sanctuary. It's a safe place. But we come into the sanctuary, we come into church to, again, realize the love of God in our life, not only through the word of God that's going to be spoke over our life in a few minutes, but also to realize that the people that are around us love us. Now, now just give me, I'm not preaching this moment. I got a great guest speaker, a friend of mine that I'll introduce. <laughs> Don't get that excited that I'm not speaking. Anyway. But but what I do know is that to love somebody, you have to choose to love them. And we know, don't we? We've all went through the puppy love stage. And if you're going through it, God bless you. I love that stage. But there's a point when you're going to continue a relationship with anybody that you have to get off off of just the feeling and make the choice to love somebody. And so when you come to the church you realize that this is a safe place, but it is a testing room. We we get to try out the things that the word of God is speaking over our life and that the Holy Spirit is speaking to us that we're listening to and we're walking by love and walking in love means that we trust one another. And so this morning as you're here, you can put a big smile on your face and say, you know, God, you love me and I believe that the people that are around me love me. This is a safe place to open up my heart and to hear the word of God and receive the word of God and to plant that in my life. And God, while we're at it, I love 30-fold return. I love 60, 70, 80, but God, I'd like a hundred-fold return. Anybody with me on that? I want a hundred-fold return on the word of God planted in my heart that, God, that I would be able to see fruit come out of that. So it's obvious that, God, you're working in my life, and there's characteristics that are coming out. This morning, I believe that the Word of God is going to go forward in a minute, and it's going to change lives because it's the Word of God. It's, it's not the person that stands up here. But today, the person that's going to preach the Word of God is a friend of mine. His name is Neil Burham, And I've known him all the way back when I went to college. It was five years, well, a little longer than that ago. We've known each other a long time, and even today, I mean, during this season in my life, we might have gray hair, but we periodically meet. He's living in Carrollton, and sometimes uh, you know that Jim and Marianne Barger live in uh, Carrollton, and I'll visit them, and a lot of times I can I can have a meeting with Neil, and I'll say, Neil, I'll buy your dinner if you'll meet with me. And he says, no, 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 I'll buy your dinner. And so we have a relationship that we have a great time together. And so as often as I can, I have him speak at our church, not only for you, but for me too. So I can hear him speak what God's put on his heart. So can you give a hand of appreciation to my friend, Neil Burem, as he comes?
1: Hey, thank you so much. And it's, it's great to be here with you, and uh, Pastor John, thank you for trusting me this morning. You, I may have to really um, rely on that trust this morning. Uh, so what I'm going to do this morning, and uh, I, I appreciate, uh, I wish my wife could be here. Carol is not feeling well today, and uh, uh, she was in the car, and we were on the road, and she goes, I can't do it, and so uh, she's she's back home, so but she is watching, hey baby. So, uh, and Gwen, it's good to see you and all your chilling here. This is great. This is good stuff. All right, so here's what I'm gonna do today. I'm gonna spend a few minutes speaking in Psalms chapter 36 and Second Corinthians chapter five. Uh, I'm gonna bounce between those two areas. But as I do, I'm gonna start with, and I'm gonna kind of, set the stage and I didn't let you know Jeffrey, my friend from work, is here today and it's great to have him on board with we meet every Wednesday morning and uh go through God's word and get to talk about it, what God's all about. So it's a it's a blessing. But um title of this will be What Happened. Um, but the uh this, the message this morning is I'm gonna I'm gonna read, I know you don't, it's it's almost a commentary, but it's, I'm going to just tell you right now, it's not a political statement, it is a biblical statement of what I'm going to make today because we need to be a reset uh, put in our society today. And as the believers of church, here's what I, I want you to know. I'm going to read this as if my hair's on fire, okay, because it is. <laughs> and uh, there's a depth to what I want to say. I can't just say it. I want to say it in the way I felt like God gave it to me. So I'm going to read that, and then I'm going to get to some of the Scripture, and it's going to break down into what just happened to you as a believer. If you're a believer today, I want to explain to you what happened to you. Sometimes we go to the doctor and he goes, well, this is what's going on with you. You go, oh. And, I, and you, we need as believers to know what's going on with us. And then we need to understand what's going on with them. So what just occurred, and I'm, uh, and I'm thankful because a couple of weeks ago, as I was reading through the Word, um, I got to Psalms 36, and this first portion of the Scripture, and I was reading the NIV, but the first portion of Scripture that stood out to me in, uh, in Psalms 36, verse 1, it says this, <clears throat> it says, I have a message from God in my heart concerning the sinfulness of the wicked. And, and I thought, that's unusual. That's, that's not typically the way that David opens up one of his psalms. matter of fact, I don't know of any other psalm that he writes out of all those that are there in, in the book of Psalms that he opens up. But one day, for some reason, he steps into the moment and he goes, I have a message from God in my heart concerning the sinfulness of the wicked. There was a moment that he just goes, there's something not right. I have a message from God to address this and we're going to talk about it. And when I heard that, I thought, wow. And and what I felt like God was saying is, hey, uh, and this is for you and you're to deliver this. And I'm thinking at the moment, I didn't have any place to deliver that. And as uh, Pastor John and I talked and he asked if I would come, I realized that one of the things that God was saying is this is the message for this church, not only this church, But for all those who are believers, and not only all those who are believers, for those who don't know what's going on, what is happening. And typically, I don't like to get around and camp around like what happened last Tuesday. But we are going to address it. We have to address it. We have to address what's going on. So my hair's on fire moment. Here we begin. You ready? For the sake of this message, I will be using the NIV but because of what occurred this past Tuesday, I'm more convinced that I have a message from God in my heart concerning the sinfulness of the wicked. What will become more and more apparent during the next few days in the media is the lack of how to describe the past Tuesday's event. You know what I'm talking about in your Texas. What is taxes. What is certainly will become another political battleground using another situation becomes a banner of their cause. What will not become apparent for most of the people who are engaged with the events of this past week is the disappearance or the loss of a word in our society that clearly describes what just happened. The word will not be stated by any political side and is forgotten by most, listen to this, is forgotten by most of everyone who has the responsibility to provide hope and future for our society, including the church. That word is wicked or wickedness. In everyone's best attempt to describe what just occurred this past week in Uvalde, Texas, the best term they can find and have already promoted as the number one cause is mental health. Somehow these two words have crept into our society, our social structures, and our systems of justice in an attempt to solve the problem of wickedness or to erase it we now see and will see Salvador Ramos as a struggling 18-year-old kid who is somehow a victim of someone else or some social breakdown, societal breakdown. Blame will be redirected in other directions and the 21 people who did not get to see the daylight of Wednesday, this past Wednesday, will be forgotten in the dust. Somehow these two words, mental health, have in most part, if not fully, replace what God has already defined. And if you decide to call something other than what it is, you will experience the consequences of that misdiagnosis, of that condition, and of that issue. Are you with me so far? Wicked is no longer in our political vocabulary and it is seldom spoken of in our society unless it is complimenting something which is a total perversion of the word. The reason it has been washed out as a descriptive word and has been given a lower seat at the table of expression is because it's religious connotation. But I can't say today but I can say today I have a message from God in my heart concerning the sinfulness of the wicked. Here's the most important reason why this word wicked is valid and completely descriptive of the past week's event. It's because this is the word God gave it. He is not sitting on his throne trying to figure out what is happening. He's not stopping and attempting to describe the events of this past week, based upon all the details from the witnesses, you do understand that God did see this happen. He is not gathering the information to give his final analysis. God has already determined what it is. The event of this past week is an outward expression of an inward condition, and it is an act of wickedness because of sinfulness. Bottom line, no other thing to be said about that. Now, this may offend you saying some of this. Maybe you're going to go, finally got some words to this, but I want you to understand, I'm not addressing the issue of what happened down in New Valley, Texas. I'm addressing an issue that we're facing every single day in the lives of us and those around us when we will not dress things as they are. Do you know for me to say what I just said out loud is threatening? Not to you, but to me. Do you understand that how many pushbacks that will happen if this word gets out? Do you understand the attempts to distort and claim that there's some maniac making a statement of a lesser, harder, uncaring? Do you understand that in preparation of this message this morning, how many threats of Satan were thrown at me in an attempt to shut me down and attempts to negotiate a compromise to go at this in a less offensive way, to be sweeter in my presentation and be nicer? And I'm telling you what, I'm a nice guy. But this morning he said, Don't you dare back down. And here's why. But I have a I I can't back down. I have a message from God in my heart concerning the sinfulness of the wicked. And I hope this message helps expose areas of your mind and your heart where you have engaged with and possibly support the mixed diagnosis of the condition of our society. Please hear this statement and I have it for you to read. Until the appropriate doctor is called on, the accurate diagnosis cannot be determined and the restoration process will escape you. And we're in trouble. Here it is, simple and true. If you get the wrong doctor, you're gonna die. You and I have heard that it's important to get a second opinion. And when you have uh, been given a concerning diagnosis especially then you want to know and as I was praying over the last week or two God said all the secular opinions have been given but no one's asking me God's addressed and he's still addressing it. there's a reset that we need not only in our society we need it in the church is there mental health challenges absolutely but it's been given a full round to be a address every issue in our society. So getting off that. That sounds political. That sounds like something else. I'm just telling you, if you don't call what things really are, you're gonna misdiagnose and you can't fix the problem. Here it is. It's uh it's interesting that in the same house you can have two people with the same parents, go to the same schools in the same house, and they end up going two different directions. Here's what I'm excited about, because if you don't realize this, you're the weird one. You know that, don't, don't you? If, if you're in Christ, you're the weird one, right? You're the one that looks like you're going off this way. Because we don't we don't see it that way. Because God's put something else in us, and We're the weird child. We're the one that's kind of curving off. What's wrong with that kid? (laughs) Let me describe what happened to you. If you're that weird one, if you're going, I know what you're talking about, and it is a sin issue. It's the sinfulness of the wicked. If you're that one, here's, here's what happened to you this past week. And I need you to understand it because we need to know what happened to us. When you heard about the events happening in South Texas, as a matter of fact, we're gonna let Paul describe what happened to you this past week. It's in Second Corinthians chapter five, verse one. He says this, for we know that if the earthly tent we live in is destroyed, we have a building from God, an eternal house in heaven, not built by human hands, right? I mean, you're, you're kind of weird if that's what you believe, right? it's like, oh, yeah, this is is not the place. Uh, Where Jeffrey and I were, there were two ladies this past week that I got to meet and got to talk to. Both of them had amputations. One lady had her leg amputated from here uh, down. And in in any other environment, it would just be wrong to stare and talk about it. But uh, in my environment, it's like, what happened to your leg? Or the absence thereof, and it's not unusual. It's it's, it's not. Uh, they love talking about it. They this this one lady. Here's the words she used. Here's how she described it. She goes, "I guess I just got handed the bad hand of cards. I I got dealt the wrong hand of cards." And then the other, she says, "You know what? There's no there's no prize in my cracker jack box." And it, so in that moment, you know, I'm not a chaplain, but they said if if someone wants you to pray with them, you can pray with them. And it's surprising how many people don't want that because I have to realize I'm the one who went that way. And so in her condition or situation, it's like, well, this is how it is. This, I'll probably die this way. This is probably how it is. But there's another lady who's always running around in a wheelchair. I say running around. One She's running around one leg. And I can say that she would laugh if she was sitting here because not only did she have her leg amputated after over 30 operations, but she also had her hips. So she's it's she, she's but she wheels around and and I was talking to her and says, So what happened? And she goes, Man, I'm telling you, it's so good to be out of pain. She goes, It's so nice to have not have that pain. And she looks at me and she goes, But you know this isn't all there is. And I go, yeah, I know that's right. And she, and she's like, keeps pressing me like, does he really know what I'm talking about? And she goes, you know this in the end. And I go, I know what you're talking about. I'm with you all the way. We got something better coming, right? We got something that's like, and she's like wheeling around. She's annoying all the nurses because she's trying to help everybody. And, I, and I, I hear them, they go, oh, she's so happy. And it's like, this isn't it. Look what he says on down in verse uh, two through four. It says, meanwhile, here's what you went through this last Tuesday. Now, I need to help you because sometimes when people come and they, they're involved in worship and they go, man, that was good music. And it's like, no, see, I need to help you with it. It wasn't good music. You just hadn't experienced the presence of God before in your life. And and the best that you can get to it is that that was good music. There's something weird. I like that. And I, I don't think I would like it. It's like, no, 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 no. I know the music was all right. But listen, you just got to experience the presence of God. You haven't You haven't put words to that definition. So let me help you what happened to you this last Tuesday. You wasn't just disappointed that 21 people perished out of the result of some person who went off on on them. But here's what you experience, in, and it's described in verse 2 through 4. Meanwhile, we groan, longing to be clothed instead with our heavenly dwelling because when we are clothed, we will not be found naked. And it goes on, but while we're in this tent, we groan. While we're in this, we groan and we're burdened because we do not wish to be unclothed, to be clothed instead with our heavenly dwelling so that that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. i, I tell you what, you may, and no doubt you were saddened. No doubt you were shocked. But let me tell you what happened to you too. You just had an experience of missing heaven, missing the results of what all this is. It's like, oh God, can you come please? I need to help you interpret the moment of what's... Let me help you understand what you experienced, Tuesday. If you're a believer and you went this way with it, then you had this extra experience that a lot of people didn't have. And it says, this makes me miss going to heaven already. This makes me miss the moment of being with Jesus. I can't imagine what it'd be like to be without this pain. This isn't it. This isn't all there is. So why do we groan or are we burned? Because we hate what can happen to beautiful people and children in our society. See, one of the questions for you to have, and this may sound like a sidestep in this message, but here it's one of the questions that you could be asked is, what gets you out of bed? here's the better question what gets you on your face once you get out of bed what is it that gets you on your face the call out to god is it situations like past tuesday or is it because you know where you're going Do you get on your face going, God, I know I would rather be with you, but I'm not there yet, and I need to know the assignment of the day. I want to celebrate in you. I want to worship you. I want to know you. I want to passionately pursue you. Here's what I've learned, because some people go, I just don't want to call on God when there's trouble. You don't have to. You can call on him every day, right? Because what happens is, as I pursue God, I get on my face every day pursuing God when I do get in that situation when I'm crying out to God then it's not such a big switch I'm already in conversation with him and so when I am in pursuit of God on a daily brace basis and then I have that situation dear God all three has a mess on it could you please help me out and he shows up I have this it's not about what gets you out of bed It's what gets you on your face. That's what we need to know. That's the question we need to resolve. So my daily passion pursuit of God moves seamlessly into my desperate request for help. So here's what happened to them. That's what happened to us. What happened to this young man? And we're going to talk about this. Psalms 36, 1 through 4. It's called the wicked cycle. It's like, oh, you're so judgmental. You're so. It's like, no, 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 I'm so biblical. And it says the truth, you know it, it's going to set you free. Or you're going to keep, keep hiding out and just call it whatever else. And you're going to get the role, results of that diagnosis. Here's what you need to know. The wicked develop, here's one. The wicked develop their attitude for God from their perspective of God. In other words, here's what he says. Here's how, when David says, I got to address this wickedness, the sinfulness of the wicked. Here's what he said. The wicked develop their attitude for God from the perspective of God. So they start here and they go there. And here's a key statement is self-develop, self-destruct self developed self-destruct. And when a person self-develops in their perception of God, they will self-destruct their own lives. Psalms 36.1b says this, there is no fear of God before their eyes. And when you self-develop in your perspective of God, you cannot have a proper fear of who God is. Charles Spurgeon wrote this, wickedness is the fruit of an atheistic root with an atheistic root. It it just comes from it. That's one. The wicked cycle begins in verse 1. Verse 2. The wicked cycle is this. The wicked gain self-approval from his own self-evaluation. So you move from evaluating who God is to moving then who you are. Look what it says in verse 2. For he flatters himself in his own eyes when he finds out his iniquity. uh, I'm sorry. there's some theological depth that I can't go into on that. Let me just touch on this. For he flatters himself in his own eyes. He counts himself to be exceptional person, worthy of great respect. Isn't it interesting that the worst of all attorneys won't cheat themselves? And and the reason is, we have a tendency to want to cover anything up. And we flatter ourselves in our own eyes. That's what he says. Step two in the wicked cycle is you, ch- you, you have your own perception of who God is and it'll change the perception of who you are. And the third w- of the wicked cycle is this. The wicked experience a core shift. Speak from an inspiration of wickedness and deceit rather than the wisdom and doing good. Here's what verse three says in Psalms 36, three. The words of his mouth are wickedness and deceit. He has ceased to be wise and to do good. There is a core shift within him when his perspective is wrong of God and his perspective of himself is wrong of himself. Then he says there's going to be a core shift. And in that core shift, he turns to wickedness and deceit being his main counterpart for wisdom and advice. Deception. So this is how that spiral happens. What happened to this young man I guarantee you what they're going to find out, this is the pattern. He self-defined God. He self-defined himself. And now it says there's a breaking point where you cannot distinguish the difference between wisdom and doing good and wickedness and deceit. And wickedness and deceit are two wild dogs that hang out together. And what one can't kill or catch, the other one will. And wickedness will try to trap and destroy or deceit will try to rob and manipulate. And what he can't steal, but through deception, he will take through wickedness. He becomes a predator of men. Listen to Luke 6. 4 through 45 says, a good man brings good things out of the good stored of his heart and an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored in his heart for the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. And so what happens is this starts getting engaged. The fourth part that David said, I've got to say this message is the wicked becomes embedded in a descending destructive cycle. Psalms 36.4, look what happens. He devises wickedness on his bed. He sets himself in a way that is not good. He does not abhor evil. He meditates. He thinks on it. He can't stop thinking about it. He doesn't even see wrong in what he's doing. And he just meditates. This is the spiral process of wickedness. That's what happened. That's what you experienced. That's what he experienced. He loses control of processing his thoughts at night. He only dwells on evil thoughts. He loses control of his behaviors and begins to act out. Because of his wickedness and deceit, he plays people and manipulates their emotions and goodwill. He loses the ability to have any proper attitude towards sin and wickedness. He can only become angry because he can't feel the fear of wickedness. And then David has a transition. He goes, here's the wicked cycle. And then he goes to verse 5. Okay, are you with me? So it. My hair's not on fire anymore. Okay. So I, I can tell you're just going, oh, this is good. So here, here's where we go. Okay. So I, this shocked me when I started reading this scripture because he takes such a shift and he moves because look what he, he says He shares five attributes of God in verse 5 through 7. He says, your mercy, O Lord, is in the heavens. Okay, look at it. It descends from God down. Your mercy, O Lord, is in the heavens. Your faithfulness reaches to the clouds. Your righteousness is like the great mountains. Your judgments are in great deep. O Lord, you preserve man and beast. How precious is your loving kindness. So David turns and he says, listen, if let's, let's, let's let God define who he is. And he talks about the five attributes of that. And then he reverses the perspective of God. And then what happens is when you reverse and get the right perspective of God, you get the right attitudes of God. And here's what he says. Therefore, this is verse 7 through 9. Therefore, the children of men... Put their trust under the shadow of your wings. They're abundantly satisfied with the fullness of your house. And you give them drink from the river of your pleasures. For with you is the foundation of life. In your light we see light. This is profound. In your light I see light. He goes, I get it get it some of the reason that i'm actually taking the time to share all of this is because one is we need to know what just happened to us and then we need a good definition of just what happened to them and then we got to understand what's happened to him and in our invitation of god showing up in our life giving a proper perspective of the five attributes his mercy his love or his faithfulness his righteousness his judgment His loving kindness in my life. I'm telling you what, I get a little bit jazzed. Right? I get a little excited knowing who my God is. I look at Tuesday and I'm going, man, this is horrible what happened. But I want to get under the shadow of my God. I want to be able to come to him and say, Father, I don't have all the answers, but I know you do. And I want to drink from the abundant rivers that you have to offer me. I want to see the light in the light. And the flashlight and and the spotlights trying to go on in this world, I'm telling you, there's a light that's brighter than that. And it is God's truth and God's word and God's presence. And he is revealing himself. He wants to make himself known. But we have to be careful not to get slid over to some political spewing match. We are not called to that. We're called to what does God say? And here's what he is today. Because a lot of people are going to point fingers at God. There's a lot of people going to do that. Why would God do? Why would we do that? And these go. Let me tell you about my God. My God has love. My God is full of faithfulness. My God is righteous. My God is just. My God is loving and kind toward me. And then when you get God right, you get your attitude right. And there's something about that presence. So, uh, matter of fact, this is how I feel like. Uh, Just want to wrap this up. And that is, you know, third day, actually wrote a song on this. And he goes, and and you're going to have to help me, folks. Your love, O Lord, reaches to the heavens. Your faithfulness stretches to the sky. Your righteousness is like the mighty mountains. Your justice flows like the ocean's tide. I will lift my voice to worship you, my King. I will find my strength in the shadow of your wings. Your love, O Lord, reaches to the heavens. Your faithfulness. Stretches to the sky. Your righteousness is like the mighty mountains. Your justice flows like the ocean's tide. Sing it with me. Stand up. I will lift my voice to worship you, my King. I will find my strength in the shadow of your wings. I will lift my voice to worship you like you. I will find my strength in the shadow. Of your wings. I told you I need it. God, today I give you glory and I give you praise. God, there is a dev- another definition being Stated again and tempting to take your words out of our vocabulary. To make them safer and softer and more acceptable. And God, it's just not so. And when we misdiagnose the problem, we get the results of that misdiagnosis. And God, today we need to stand strong. We're going to be accused of not loving, but God, we serve a loving God. We're going to be accused of not being kind, but you are kind. Lord, we're going to be accused of not being just, and you were just. We're going to be accused of not having love or having mercy, and you're full of mercy and love. And God, we just ask, would you just saturate your people? Your intention is not for us to be odd, but we are different. God, take the odd things off of us. As we understand it, we will be different following you and chasing after you. We need to pursue you today, God. Something happened to us this week, something happened to people around our nation this week. And somebody needs to stand the ground of what the truth is in it all. And so today, God, we seek your face. And I'm going to ask our musician or keyboard or Guitar, whatever, please come up. I just keep your eyes closed this morning. Some of you have been troubled this past week and just really struggled. And it's hard to not get into some political stupidity. And it's hard to realize that any statement you make is going to be offended, offensive to somebody. And we're not intentionally ignorant. But we have a responsibility in Christ. And if his his attributes are reflected in us, then we can actually step out and become the light of this world. And I'm going to ask that you would just, just right now go, God, if there's something in my mind, if there's something in my attitude, you know, if I offended you today, then would you just go to the Holy Spirit and say, God, why am I offended but this morning if you just 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 go God there is weakness in our land and it's not just pointing fingers it's a it's a burden the Bible says it's a, a groaning that goes on in us that says God we need you more now than ever God we need you to show up in our lives God we we desire that you would infiltrate not only our society but God start your work through me allow me to See the light in the light, God, to be the expression of the goodness of God. And I pray that God you restore us and renew our minds. And for those who've been battling and been challenged and been hurting because of what just occurred, I just pray over you today that you receive the fullness of God. Some of you are tormented with what's going on right now, and in the name of Jesus, I pray peace of your mind. I pray peace, peace over your home, and I I just want you to understand today, God's in control. God is absolutely in control, and you don't. You, God did not give us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. And this morning is just a reminder to you that our God is a good God, and He's worthy to be praised. And he's worthy to be adored today. And we give him all the glory and praise. Let's just give God thanks today. Would you do that? for Because that's God, thank you today. Thank you for who you are. Thank you, God. We submit to you and call on you. And we give you thanks in Jesus' name. And we give you all the glory today, Father. Thank you so much. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much, Pastor John.
0: an encouraging word to realize, to be the light, to be the salt, to be in the plates that we come together, not just for us, but for moments in history, just like this, that we stand up and give hope where there seems to be no hope. Thank you, Neil, for that message. This morning, as you leave this place, our ushers are in the back. They have given you or they will give you an opportunity to give let me pray over you. Father, today I pray blessings and as we pray peace in our lives today. Father, as we leave this place, help us not to walk in fear. Help us not to walk in sadness, but God, to realize you're the answer. And Father, we have you as the answer in our life. Father, let us be reminded of this message. God, that our Our eternity, God, is with you. And while we're here, God, we're spreading the good news. God, that you are a God of righteousness. but God, you're a God of love. Father, we thank you as we leave this place that we go into a world that desperately needs us. And Father, help us to have the confidence to speak the truth in love. In your name we pray, amen, amen. Well, thank you for coming to the chapel this morning. Go get them.